Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Kelly Richardson Lawson. I'm a mother, a wife, and an entrepreneur. I started the Sunrise Project after our beautiful teenage son attempted to take his own life. Truth is, I'm tired. My husband and I felt despair, isolation, and immeasurable pain. I knew in my heart we needed a place for Black parents to share their struggles, find mutual support, and help our beloved children who struggle with mental wellness, addiction, or both. Each weekly podcast features an expert who shares their knowledge and takes questions from parents and children. Take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. The Sunrise Project allows Black families like ours, to find comfort in knowing that we are not alone. While the purpose of the Sunrise Project is to share, support, and uplift, this conversation is not a substitute for medical advice. Finding the right healthcare professional for your family's specific needs is crucial. If you do not feel seen or heard, you should speak to more than one professional to find the right fit. Okay. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our weekly Sunrise Project call. I am delighted that you're all here with us this morning, and I hope that you find a moment of solace and peace today as we share and learn from one another in a safe space that's filled with love, compassion, and a mutual desire to heal ourselves, our children, and our families. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I woke up this morning and saw a daily word passage that really moved me and reminded me of our speaker this morning. So I'm going to share that passage before introducing our guest. It says, in the past, I may have hidden my inner light, afraid to be myself. I may have tried to please others by conforming to someone else's idea of who I should be. I may have shrunk from my aspiration, fearing that I would fail in pursuit of my goal. I may have doubted the divine perfection at the core of my spiritual self, identifying with my perceived flaws and feeling small and inadequate. Today, I make a new choice. I choose to live fearlessly, drawing upon my faith to believe in myself, my imagination, to envision my best life and my understanding to know my divinity. Bold and brave, I am fearless as I live my life authentically, pursue my dreams and express my divine nature. Be strong and bold, have no fear or dread because it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Deuteronomy 31, six. Life is a highway. 
And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And today, I am thrilled and delighted to have a very special guest speaker this morning, Nikki Weber Allen. I have known uh, Nikki for over 20 years. We met many, many years ago at BET when Nikki was, I believe, producing Planet Groove. Um, yep. maybe, is that correct? Okay, wonderful. Yep, that's right. Yep, and then went on to TV One and many other amazing production accolades. She is an Emmy Award-winning 20-year-plus veteran of film and television and a brilliant storyteller. Nikki will share on this morning's topic of depression. Could it be a normal response to living in an abnormal world? So right. I'm going to turn it over to you, Nikki. would love for you to share your story, and then we'll ask questions. Well, first, I wanted to thank uh, Kelly and Angela so much for inviting me um, to speak with you guys today and to share my story with all of you and, and to thank all of you for showing up. Um, this is a topic that is very near and dear to my heart, obviously. Um, and, and I wanted to, to start with full transparency by saying, actually, about a year ago, I stopped doing talks and, and presentations because it had gotten to the point where they had become really triggering for me. I started a nonprofit that's called I Live For with the intention of ending mental health stigma in communities of color with a special focus on teens and young adults. And I found that, you know, talking about depression, it, you know, because it's such a passion for me, I really didn't have boundaries. I talked about it all the time. I was always, you know, trying to help friends who were struggling um, with their kids and doing a lot of speaking engagements and flying all over the country and just nonstop every day talking about depression, anxiety, and suicide. And it got to the point where it became very triggering for me. But I felt kind of trapped because it's such an important topic and there's such a huge need for this discussion out there. And I knew that people were depending on me. But at the same time, I was running myself down and wasn't practicing what I was preaching. So I felt really guilty taking a step back but I finally had to decide that I can't preach self-care if I'm not willing to live by my own, you know, teachings or, or, or if I'm not practicing what I'm preaching. Um, so I have sort of taken a step back uh, and I'm really focusing on self-care in this moment. But because I adore Kelly and Angela so much and I believe so strongly in the mission of the Sunrise Project, you know, anything that I could do to support them, I really wanted to do. Um, and, I, and I also recognize that in this moment, you know, with this global pandemic and such economic uncertainty and racial injustice being at the forefront and social unrest, we're feeling more isolated and more disconnected than ever. And, you know, when you look at the news, they're saying that there are record cases of depression and anxiety and suicide right now, and it's understandable Given everything that's going on right now, it's completely understandable that, you know, these cases are spiking. Um, my, my uncle, who's a, a doctor in New York, 
said to me when I first discovered that, uh, or when I was first diagnosed, he said something that really resonated with me. And I think it really speaks to this moment, but he said to me, cause I was really ashamed. Uh, and he said, you know, Nikki, if you're black in America and you've never been depressed, then you really are crazy. And it's funny, but it's actually true. And I think, again, having all of these stressors that are going on right now, I, I think the same thing. I think it's, it's actually kind of normal. It's completely understandable to be struggling in this moment. So it's so important to have these safe spaces like this one that Kelly has created to talk about this stuff and be, be supportive for one another. Um, and validate each other's experiences. It's, it's incredibly important. Um, so while I'm not a trained therapist, I do have a lot of lived experience, and I'm hoping that I can share some of that with you all today so that maybe you don't have to go through some of the pain that I've experienced in my life, and maybe you can avoid some of the pitfalls that I found myself in. So having said all that, I don't want to take up a lot of time actually presenting. I'd rather have more time and space for you guys to, to share anything that you'd like to, or to ask me any questions that you would like to. Great. Thank you for sharing. I would like to understand when you, you know, you were diagnosed with anxiety and depression as an adult, I'm assuming, I guess it's a question. And how did you yeah. know you needed to get tested and how did you go about, go about it? Well, it's funny. I, they say that on average, it takes about 10 years for people to actually seek help from the time that they are experiencing or recognize that they're experiencing some issues, it takes about 10 years. And that was, that's pretty accurate for my story as well. Back in my twenties, I was living in LA. I was a production assistant, you know, working freelance jobs, making no money. In fact, my parents had to supplement my income and pay my rent. Um, I was, I first started feeling just out of sorts. I couldn't really put my finger on what was wrong, but I just didn't feel like myself. Um, and unlike a lot of people, particularly in our community, I never really had a lot of stigma around therapy. Now I did about a diagnosis, but just in terms of talking to a therapy therapist, I didn't have a problem with that. So at the time I just went to, um, a local clinic and it, in fact, it was the um, National Women's Jewish Council where I went, and they had free therapy. Um, and when I went and I sat with the woman, it was really uncomfortable for me. I felt almost as though she was a little voyeuristic, like maybe she had never met anyone who was black, who, who was like me. And so it was almost like, you know, she, I just didn't click with her. And it felt like she was more fascinated with my story than really there to help me navigate, you know, all of these emotions that I was feeling. So I was really turned off. And I, in my mind, I was like, oh, therapy doesn't work. It didn't dawn on me that maybe this just wasn't a good fit. My first thought was, oh, this doesn't work. Forget it. So I didn't go back again for like maybe another 10 years. Um, and at this point, I think I was in my thirties, mid thirties, actually. And it wasn't because I thought I had depression. Oddly enough, I, I had sort of an, an, an eating disorder. I would binge eat when I was really going through things. That, that was my coping mechanism, was to just constantly stuff my face 
and I, you know, would put on weight, then I would lose the weight and I would put on weight and I was, and I would lose the weight and I just couldn't get a handle on it. And I was looking at a magazine and it, it, it talked about binge eating and it started talking about some of the triggers and it linked it to depression. So I thought that was really interesting because I had never thought of it in those terms. So that's when I said, you know, maybe I need to go see a therapist. And the way I did it, I knew I'd had such a bad experience the first time that I said the second time I thought, you know, what, I think I need to see a black woman this time. I wanted to see not, and not just a black person, but I also wanted to see a black woman. And I, I um, went on the internet immediately and started uh, Googling because I wanted to see pictures. Now I think you can go on therapy.com and it will tell you if the person is black and oftentimes there's pictures, but this was before that existed. And so I just randomly started looking through therapists in my area and I saw a picture of a woman and I just liked the way she looked. I'm a, I'm a person who goes by my instincts and it just, she felt right. And when I read you know, what she was about, what her practice was about. She had a big spiritual component to it. And I liked that as well. And then she was, you know, graduated from Yale, which I liked that very smart, really compassionate woman. And so I called, set up the appointment. And from the first day, I just knew it was a great fit. And we worked together for a good, probably nine months. And I had so much growth through that experience and I wouldn't trade it for the world. So, yeah, it's, it's so important that you find someone who's a really great fit. And if, if they're not, move to the next person. That's great. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, if anyone has a question or a thought you'd like to share. Hey, Nikki and Kelly. Um, question for you in your travels and your speeches. I'm just interested in understanding whether the young folks that you're talking to seem more receptive, more willing to be vulnerable. I, I guess I, I feel it anecdotally. I have teenagers mm-hmm. and they seem a lot more open than, you know, our generation. And, and given that you spent so much time talking to folks, I'm, I guess I'm hopeful uh, that, you, that you're seeing it too, but I'm interested in hearing what you um, are observing about um, any sort of movement on the stigma issue that you you both have been trying to attack. Thanks for your question. Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. They, the stigma is decreasing rapidly. Thank goodness. Younger generations are much more open about their struggles. Um, I find um, even on social media. So I, I I started a, a nonprofit called I live for, and we have a social media platform people are, will openly talk about their struggles with depression, anxiety, even suicidal ideation. And you see it even with, within like rap music culture, there's a lot of these young rappers now who are very open about their struggles. Um, so it's really normalizing these conversations. Um, what I have found when I go out and do these speaking engagements is that it's really good when, when young people have peer-to-peer conversations. So in most of the events that I do with, with my organization, you know, I'll speak in general terms about the organization, but then I turn it over to young people who are almost like ambassadors for my organization to speak about their experiences with other young people. They're like college-aged or, or sometimes graduate students. 
And that's when they really open up because there still is sort of a generational, um, you know, they relate more to people from their own generation. Um, and that's when they really open up. But I, I do think it's such a blessing that, that it is changing quickly. And it's up to, I think, our generation and certainly our parents' generation to create these safe spaces so that they feel more comfortable in sharing with us because they are willing to share if they feel safe. Yeah. Well, thank you both for what you're doing. It's really important, and and we're all grateful. Thank you for saying that. Yes, and Nikki, I was going to just add to that. I think it's so true. I think about people like Juice World, which is my son's favorite artist, who unfortunately passed away in December, mm -hmm. and his talks and his you know openness about having depression is so mm -hmm. um, telling. And you know, kids. We're really listening to that and understanding mm -hmm. that. And sadly, he would talk about how he tried to tell his parents, and they were not receptive. Like they'd be like, That's "Boy, right. you, you know, shut up. You, you all right? You know, whatever." Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting dynamic seeing the. I love how we're seeing a shift, and how, like you said, so many artists that our children are listening to or modeling after are talking about the issue. And we have been talking about having sunrise sessions for um, young men and young girls mm -hmm. as well. And so I completely uh, love that in terms of the peer-to-peer -peer conversation. So there is a space for people to get together. And so we are mapping that out and planning to create those spaces by the end of this month. So more to come. Yeah, up. that'll that'll be fantastic because there's I've seen so much growth and healing in those spaces. That what what we've done with I Live For is to go to different cities. We I call the events movement, music, and mental health. Mm -hmm. And what we do is we go to different. The, the, our first one was in New York, so we went to New York down to a really cool hip little club in like lounge, really not a club, but a lounge in the East Village. And I just had like beanbag chairs thrown around and I had sponsors, but with healthy stuff, not no alcohol, but, you know, just like um, healthy teas and fruits and vegetables, but like funky stuff and made it really accessible for, you know, these um, young adults. And everybody sat around in a circle in these beanbag chairs and people shared their story so openly and it was really mixed. It was, you know, Black kids there. And I was surprised because it was we advertised it as specifically for kids of color. But there were a lot of white kids that showed up, too, because that's something else with that generation. It's the whole, you know, they're so open racially that they, you know, these white kids felt just as comfortable talking about all of this stuff within this space as everybody else did. And they shared their experiences with their black friends, which I found was really interesting. But what I loved about the way it ended, and we have live um, performances from like local celebrities, local artists performing, and we had meditation and yoga exercises and things like that. So that was the movement. The music was the live music. And, and most of the musicians also struggle with depression and anxiety, and they would share their stories. And then we would open up the floor for what we called a heart talk. We didn't call it a panel. We called it a heart talk. Mm -hmm. um, and people would share their stories. You know, the ambassadors would share their stories. And then we opened up the floor for just a discussion. And all of them said, 
what was so interesting is that all the kids were alike and that they were, you know, upper middle class kids who felt a lot of pressure to achieve, like all the, the, the pressure that they felt was, you know, to be a great student, to, you know, graduate and get a great job and make mom and dad proud. But they had never had, they had never been really taught to cultivate joy, right? Especially within our communities, I feel like we're so, you know, we're trying to fortify our kids and make them strong because we know we have to work twice as hard, right? To get the same things out of life. So we really stress achievement as success. Yes. And we're always in survival mode, right? So status and achievement and money, all that equals security. So we really, and rightfully so, we stress that with our kids, but we don't teach them how to cultivate joy in their life. And that is equally as important. So it was great to have all these kids together because they were able to talk about this and see how they all, even though so many of them try to portray like they've got it all together, they were able to put down their guard in that space and say, oh my God, you're going through that too. I feel the same thing Mm -hmm. and connect. And whereas they thought all their peers were, you know, just doing so well, they realized all of them are just kind of, there's this thing called duck syndrome. And it's this idea of when you see a duck on a pond, right? If you look at him above the water, he looks like he's just gliding through. But if you look underneath, they're paddling like crazy just to stay afloat, right? So if you realize that this duck syndrome is, is really strong with our kids, they're all trying to fake it to, to seem like they're doing really well, but a lot of them are struggling much harder than they will admit, unless, again, you give them a safe space to admit, that, admit it and help them to see that they're not alone. So many others are feeling the exact same way. That's so true. The pressure and the stress you know, learning the hard way. I think many of us, like you said, as parents, we, you know, we are taught that certain things will happen in a certain way in a certain time by not sure who, but there's this pressure for, you know, for us, even as parents to help our kids matriculate and go to college and, you know, all these things that we're taught to be success. And so putting that on our kids, I think about Kyle sharing after we had him in a wilderness program and one of his therapists said to us that he was feeling this inordinate amount of stress and pressure and that the stress and the pressure just got to be too much because at Mm -hmm. the end of the day he he was like I don't really know what I want for my life short term or long term but I know I'm tired of swimming I don't really want to swim anymore and Mm -hmm. at the same time I'm my parents, you know, just put all this pressure on me. And so that was really deep. And to your point of learning to help your kids be um, happy with whomever they are, with or without any of the, you know, uh, without a need to perform, you know, this need to perform, I think becomes really stressful for our children particularly if they show signs yeah they show signs of strength and you're like oh well they're going to get a free scholarship they're going to go to the olympics they're going to do this in the Mm -hmm. back of your mind but they feel that pressure Mm -hmm. versus just saying i love you period one of our guests said you know saying i love you without anything attached to it is so critically important and that's right you know i look at myself i look at you know keith and i I think we've learned I would say the hard way, but the good way. We're learning now how to reapproach Kyle and and our and his younger brother. 
So I love what you're saying. I think it's so true. And I do agree that the, I love the heart talks idea and the mm -hmm. way people can, and also doing it in a safe space that's, that feels good. It's not punishment. It's not going right. to go away somewhere. I'm, gonna, I'm creating this right. environment where it's people all alike and we're coming together in a space that feels really good. And that's the thing that's so cool about these events is that, like you said, the kids really are all alike, despite you know, their racial or ethnic background. They're all very high achieving, uh, you know, a lot, dealing with a lot of pressure, used to being one of the only people of color in a classroom or at a job, you know, dealing with microaggressions, because that was a really big subject. That's always a big subject mm -hmm. at our events is the microaggressions that people are dealing with. And I think oftentimes as black people, we think we're the only, well, this is a generalization, but I'll just say, we think we're the only ones really dealing with this racism. And then when you sit and you talk with some Latinx kids, you're like, I didn't realize, I mean, they're dealing with a whole lot too. And in fact, one of the girls that was presenting is a dreamer. And she was talking about just the, the stress of not knowing if she'll even be here in another year, if she's going to have to go back to a country where she hasn't been since she was six months old and has no connection to. And just imagine the anxiety of living like that. And she was talking about how high the suicide rate is among undocumented um, youth. Mm -hmm. because they're constantly living in the shadows. So it's like just understanding what other people are going through also helps you see, you know, I've got problems, but maybe my problems can be managed. Like I'm not the only one that has these problems. Mm. So that it's really important um, to, right. to, to understand, the, you know, that it's not just you, that it's other people as well. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. And, you know, I just wanted to make another point to something that comes up because I would also survey the kids a lot to find out what some of their biggest stressors were. And almost across the board, the top stressor was, was always parents. And what they would say um, oftentimes was there were two, two things that they would say about their parents. One was that they didn't feel safe sharing their struggles with their parents because they were so afraid of disappointing them. Yeah. That was a big thing. The second thing was that they were afraid that if they did get vulnerable and share their stories with their parents, that their parents wouldn't validate their experience. And so many of them shared stories about how their parents did not validate their experience. So for example, um, one girl talked about um, how she was really heartbroken because, you know, some guy that she was dating wasn't really interested in her anymore and was dating somebody else. And her mom was like, she talked to her mom about it and her mom, but this girl was really devastated by it. And the mom was like, oh, there's plenty of fish in the sea. You know, you'll find somebody else. But it seems like a fine answer. 
But this girl felt completely dismissed and unseen and unheard because it, it, this was devastating to this girl. So the message that she got was, well, just buck up, you know, and, and I'm being weak for feeling this way. So then she felt ashamed and she never shared with her mom again. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's that, you know, just being really aware that while some things may even seem trivial or not like that big of a deal to a parent, this is devastating for them. So it's, you know, us trying to meet them where they are. Yeah. And even if we can't understand what they're going through, still, you know, respect the fact that this is crucial to them. And it's about listening. Yeah, listening more and talking less, I think. I heard from one of our speakers as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I just wanted to say um, thank you for sharing. Um, Also, what you're saying is really important. Like, my son is 16, and he always wants to come and share with me, um, which I appreciate. But it's always like if I'm in the middle of a Zoom call or, you know, like when something's happening. And I've learned that sometimes I'm like, I'm on a call. And if I don't have to talk, sometimes I'll just, you know, I have to give him that time. Because if I say, yeah. can you come back, you know, or, or something, you, you can miss the moment. That's right. And, you know, and I see that dejected look in his in his face. And I'm like, but, you know, I'm working. And he always now, especially, you know, being home, it's like he comes, like, busting in. And he's like, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, okay. Or else he'll sit there and he'll just sit there and he'll wait. You know, as patiently as he possibly can. Yeah. Um, but I've learned, I've learned that sometimes I have to be in the moment with that with him. Yeah. And just say, yeah. Okay, what is it that you need to say to me? And listen, and at least get some of the conversation out. And then I'll say, okay, can we finish this? And I'll be done in a half an hour, or you know, something else. But I've learned to, you know, there was a point where at one point, sometimes I have to be like, look, I'm sorry, I can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's other times where I, I do take the time or, or and then I will have to be mindful to go back, you know, and, and keep my word when I get off the call to go back and say, okay, hey, what is it, you know, or let's finish that conversation or, you know, finish your thought. That's incredibly important. And yeah, and, you, and I have to say, you are really blessed that, that he is talking to you because Absolutely. so many teens don't. That is a huge <laughs> blessing. It, it comes and goes. Um, and, I'm, um, and then another fact to your peer mentoring piece, he has a great therapist and she had a peer mentoring program. She has a peer mentoring program in her practice. And uh, my son plays sports and, you know, he was right after he was diagnosed and we realized he needed medication. We found this uh, great therapist. And while she's not African-American, she's really cool. And she does, she gets him, she gets kids and she also yeah. works with a lot of kids, and her kids play sports. Um, but she has this peer mentor piece in her program where her daughter, who's in college, and some friends and different people, you know, mentor uh, some of the other um, patients. And she connected him with this, this great guy uh, who also played football and had some similar, you know, background, and he and Kenny really hit it off, but then it didn't last very long because I guess he, the young man was having some personal issues of his own. And so he could no longer connect with my son. And, and it's, I saw a difference. Like when he had someone who he could really talk yeah. to um, and he is, he's really open my son and he will talk and he will, he's also an aspiring rapper. So he puts his feelings in his songs and, Great. you know, things like that. And he's really expressive. 
uh, to the point where sometimes it's not a good thing because some of his peers who he thought were his friends have bullied him because of what's going on in his life um, when he shared, you know, his, his situation. Um, and that was an issue along with all of this as well. Um, but he, at the peer part was really helpful for him. And when you were all talking about these events, which are really great, and I can't wait to hear about something where he can, um, you know, participate in, but having someone also who he can, con- that they can connect with on a longer term after the event um, yeah. is also great as well. Um, I know that for him, um, having someone like that is, is really important. And when, you know, when you lose that, it kind of changes things. And now after him also being bullied because of some of his story, um, he is a little bit more skeptical about sharing. Yeah. His, you know, his, his experience or even saying, well, I have ADD and I have, you know, anxiety or whatever, because he doesn't know, you know, because he's the kind of kid that thinks everyone's his friend until he's yeah. not, you know? And that there's two, I have two thoughts about that right at the top. One is, are you familiar with Brene Brown? Mm-hmm. And yeah. CLA says everybody doesn't deserve your story, right? So mm-hmm. it, it's you, it's we sh- find it's important that he learn, and it sounds like he's already learned it, but it's important that we only share our stories with the people who deserve to hear them. So ho- hopefully that's a message that you can mm-hmm. really drill yeah. into him that only share our stories with the people who deserve and who, who have proven to be trustworthy. That is so key until you're in a healthy space where, because you're always going to be criticized. Even mm-hmm. in my TED talk, the comments, some of the comments are really nasty. And I was terrified of that, but I prepared for that ahead of time. So, yeah, so that's the first thing I wanted to say. But the second thing is there is a guy, <clears throat> and I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but I can send it, I'll I'll look it up and send it to Kelly and perhaps she can share it with you. But there's a guy in North Carolina who has something, it's very similar to um, the Sunrise Project, but he was a football player in college when he was diagnosed with um, bipolar syndrome. And he was suicidal, had multiple suicide attempts and had dropped out of school doing really poorly. But found therapy and long story short has has done so well that he is now a therapist himself and he has a program and it's all young I think it's black men and he facilitates it as a therapist who is a young black man himself um, and who is a past athlete where they just speak in you know sports mm-hmm. speak, I guess and um, <laughs> yeah. it's really open, but it really is about mental health. Um, and awesome. it's a good place to connect. Um, I know he's been doing it for a few years. Thank you so much. Thank you. Of course. Love that. Absolutely. Thank you, Nikki. So thank you for sharing. Of course. Any other uh, thoughts or people would like to share? I've just enjoyed the conversation so much because it just touches on a lot of what I've learned in supporting my son. And, you know, he is so sensitive to every nuance, inflection of tone of voice Mm -hmm. and um, look of my eye, et cetera. And as I, you know, heard you talking about, it's like they're wired for approval from us or disapproval. 
and um, I teach some communication skills, so it's really challenging to have my son say, well, you reflected back what I'm saying, Mom, but I really don't feel you got the feeling right. <laughs> um, we mm-hmm. just had a conversation this week because he started off in mechanical engineering and then has had depression and anxiety and what we got down to through tons of therapy um, is that thing about pressure and him just feeling like this is what he was supposed to do Mm -hmm. and if he pursued what he really wanted that he would lose approval from us and he really wants to be more of an artist but we were just talking this week, his birthday was yesterday, that he doesn't have peers that have really the same value system as he does. And as a black male, a lot of the even support services, et cetera, that I was sending him to, he he just can't connect enough. And so I love hearing about this because Mm -hmm. he's looking for other black males that are on this journey of self-discovery and worth and just being, not just doing. And now he's kind of pivoting to some more industrial engineering, which I think will bring the artsy and his technical thing together. But he's Mm -hmm. still having anxiety issues, and I just find he's, he can talk to me about certain things, but certain things he can talk to his dad. And then it feels like there's still a void because he hasn't found a male, black male, especially, or a group of them in his peer yeah. group. So yeah. I haven't found and a I, solution, but I just appreciate hearing all of this. It's just a yeah. Fun. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that, that and hopefully it is helpful um, and I re- I completely agree with what your son is saying, how it's just so important to find that right person to connect with. Um, something else that I hear a lot is that parents just don't understand the unique pressures that are on this generation. And, mm-hmm. you know, for our generation, yes, we were also, you know, Kelly told me most of the people on this call are also very high achievers. So we're used to performing at a certain level, we also experience the pressure of our parents that our parents put on us to achieve, right? But it's different because we didn't grow up also with social media and the internet. That is putting an entirely different degree or heightened degree of pressure on these kids. And there've been a lot of studies around it and how, you know, since the birth of the internet and the rise of social media along with the rise of social media has been a rise of depression and anxiety. Like there's a a correlation between the rise in social media use and the rise in depression, anxiety, and suicide um, among teens and young adults. So, and oftentimes when we try to give them as parents, try to give them advice, we're speaking from our perspective. So they don't, we're not connecting to the pressures that they're under because we really don't understand it because we didn't go through that when we were young and they recognize that. So oftentimes the advice that we give will go in one ear and out the other. 
So it is so incredibly important for them to find someone closer to their generation who really understands intimately what they're dealing with and um, can speak in their terms. I love that. I've been working on a documentary, actually, um, to where I collect stories. I've interviewed about nine people, um, young people of color, and I talk to them about their experiences. Most of them have had multiple suicide attempts and have got varying degrees of mental health conditions. And again, the idea behind it is to, to normalize these conversations and put a face to these issues, because until we see more people who look like us talking about this openly, there's still going to be a lot of shame around it. And like I said, while it's getting better, it's still not where it needs to be, I don't believe. Mm-hmm. Agree. 100% agree. Absolutely. Um, I, I love to ask something, Kelly. Yes, please. Oh, thanks. Um, this has been a wonderful uh, conversation. So thank you uh, for your honesty and candor about what's been going on with you over your life. I wonder if my question has to do with what role does meditation and real consciousness play in your um, organization? And do you emphasize kind of being still and do do you embrace that with the kid, with the young people that you work with? Absolutely. That's huge. Um, Meditation, because there, because there is no stillness anymore. It's so hard to find quiet time. The second, and when you look at young people and it's not just young people, it's the adults too. The The second there's a quiet time, you know, we're picking up, our phone to check our messages or to look at social media. We're constantly, you know, distracted. Um, Mm -hmm. So yes, that, that's a huge part of what we preach um, is stillness and meditation. Um, But, but something else that's equally important that I don't think that we pay enough attention to um, in our community is healthy eating. It's critical. Like the link between sugar and anxiety, it's a direct link. And and you can see when you look at little kids, like give a little kid a bunch of candy. That kid's going to be bouncing off the walls, right? So it's the same with us as adults and we don't, and and teens, we don't really realize how much sugar is in our foods. Um, Mm -hmm. And that high fructose corn syrup and all that, it's in everything, salad dressings, ketchup, all these things that you, you can think that you're eating healthy until you look at how much sugar is in something you, and you'd be so surprised. So I really think diet has a lot to do also with these increased um, cases of anxiety and even depression, because what happens too when you eat a lot of sugar is that you, you are up and then you crash and that mm-hmm. constant, you know, up and down leads can lead to depressive episodes, particularly if you are somebody who's predisposed to it, like I am. And I am a sugar addict, which is terrible, but I really see the difference when I cut, cut out, you know, try to have natural sugars as opposed to the processed stuff. It makes a huge difference. So just with, with diet, exercise, getting out in nature, um, Mm. meditation, stillness, 
and play. And play is really important. There's an expression, there's a guy named Joseph Campbell. And he says, um, the opposite of play isn't work. The opposite of play is depression. Mm. And I love that. I think that is so true. When we're not, as I said earlier, cultivating joy in our life, doing the things that we love to do. Like Kelly was talking earlier about how her son, you know, wants to be a rapper. And, and it's wonderful that she and Keith are supporting that because he, he loves doing that. That's, that's someplace where he can find joy in his life. It's so important that we encourage our kids to find what makes them happy not just what's going to make them quote successful because that's the stuff mm. that puts all that pressure on them but what what mm. makes you happy and how can you you know create more of that in your life and i think just doing all of those things sleep is something else that's incredibly important um if you do all of those things that creates a great baseline it doesn't mean that you won't ever struggle but i think that it, at least in my experience and what I've read and seen in other people, those things can really help you to stay grounded uh, as much as possible and to, to manage those episodes when you are, you know, having a depressive episode or extreme anxiety or something like that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Of course. One of our callers is asking this question. I'm the mother of an 18 year old who is a first year college student. I'm concerned about the link between sleeping and eating and the anxiety and depression. How do we get young people to do what works? We can model it, we can talk about it, but how do we get them to actually do it, especially when they're in college or away from home? Would you please talk about that? Yeah, that's a tough one. And I don't know that I have an answer for that other than that if, if they again, that's where the peer-to-peer conversations really help. If they see other people who are living in a similar situation to them, um, who's able to do it and is finding success through doing it, I feel like that's what makes the biggest imprint for them. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know where you can find that, but I think that it, it, it would be important if you could find, and maybe again, it's this, this guy that I mentioned earlier or another resource like that where it's young people who are experiencing some of the same issues who can kind of guide them in, that, in the right direction. Thank you so much for your share. Um, My point is twofold. For those of us on the call who are married, I have a 17-year-old who um, is diagnosed with anxiety and depression and a 20-year-old. And so we've had, you know, suicide attempts, ideations, et cetera. So for me, what I struggle with is my husband seems to think that because it happened in the past, you know, a few mm. years ago that we were past yeah. that season. Yeah. And so when I'm working, and the, and the kids fortunately talk to me. And so when I, when, you know, they're talking to me and I realize they want to do something that I know their dad is not going to be in support of, I have to remind him that this is an, this could be, you know, they're talking so that they want some help, some improvement. For instance, our son is interested in mechanics and wants to get a project car. And so, you know, high achieving family, et cetera. My husband's like, we're not getting a raggedy car for him to work on. So we don't know if this is a cry for help, 
It That's could right. be a phase where he, you know, wants to tinker around, but we can put a car in our garage for him to tinker. Um, so if you could speak to that. That would be helpful. Thanks. Um, so it's incredibly important that you as the mom, like the, you know, your husband is who he is and, and he can try as best he can to understand if that's, and to, to be that safe space for him. But if it's just not him, you know, that's difficult, but you then I think it really is going to be on you to, to really be that support for him because they just, it, they need it so desperately and they don't admit everything that they're dealing with because again, they don't want to scare you. They don't want they, the other thing that they, that the kids always say is that they're afraid that their parents are going to overreact. So they're so afraid to tell what's really going on because they don't want us to over overreact to it. So yeah, just do your best to be there for him. And, you know, hopefully your husband will come along and learn. Um, Got it. But if he does, you know, he may not. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm equipped to stand in the gap. Thanks so much. Yeah, of course. Of course. I love the standing in the gap. Thank you so much for that. Hey, so, you know, I really love this conversation and it made me think, you know, just about my growing up. And if I didn't have my mother there, it was just my father. I don't know how crazy that'd be. Our parents suffered from a, a PTSD from the civil rights. Yeah. Yeah. I think black men did not handle it as well as black women. Um, yeah. But, you know, and I think this is great. Are you aware of any places where fathers can go and talk. What I found is that, you know, we don't talk to each other, we still don't share, and it's a tough balance to try to put that pressure on your child that you think you need to put on them and also then stand back, allow them their time to grow on their own because right. when we were raised, it was pressure. Um, That's right. It, I, I love that there are spaces for the kids, but I'm just curious if there are spaces for the parents, particularly the fathers, as you're aware of. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, first, I want to say that you're absolutely right in terms of the post-traumatic stress. There's a term called post, what is it called? Post, post-traumatic mm -hmm. slave syndrome, exactly, that talks about that, the multi-generational trauma and oppression that gets passed down that's literally within ourselves it gets passed down and then our the the coping st strategies or lack thereof also get passed down um so uh to answer your question there is i'm aware again i can't think of the name off the top of my head but there is a guy a really impressive guy out of the west coast who is doing I think he is also doing similar calls to this and it's black dads. It's so important because as you said, I think as women, we share anyway, just as girlfriends, what our friendships are based on, you know, our close bonds and the, the secrets that we share with each other is almost how we define our friendships. And then it, you guys have more sort of superficial conversations. So it does make sense that it would kind of, we'd be able to sort of navigate this, you know, these spaces a little bit, I don't want to say easier, because if you if you struggle with depression, it's hard either way. But I do find that women have more support, or, or it's easier for women to find support than it is for men. Um, so it is so important that you do, as a Black dad, find that support. That's great. Thank you. Okay. 
I want to be really respectful of people's time today and uh, go ahead and close us out. First and foremost, let me just say thank you to you, Nikki, for being here. So appreciate you being here um, with us today to share your thoughts and your wisdom. So thank you. You're quite welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, and I'm going to close us out with a prayer. Thank you, Father, for allowing Nikki Weber Allen to share her personal journey with us this morning and for sharing such wonderful words of wisdom and advice with all of us. Help us take time to listen to our children and stop pressuring our children to create the lives that we think they should have. Help us, Father, find patience to walk with them on their journeys and help us lean on this village for love and support. And Father, as Nikki reminded us this morning, help us to find the joy in our lives and encourage our children to find what makes them happy and then let us support them on their journeys. Thank you for keeping all of our children healthy and safe and help us take time for self-care and self-love today as we work through all of this with our children and our families. We thank you for blessing us today and always. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a beautiful week. We'll be back next week. I'm Kelly Richardson Lawson, and you've been listening to the Sunrise Project podcast. You can follow Sunrise wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, open your podcast app and follow this show. Join us next week for another gathering of support. Thank you for listening. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental wellness challenges, contact your doctor, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or both. You can reach NAMI's helpline at 800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or email at info at NAMI.org. Volunteers are working to answer questions, offer support, and provide practical next steps. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.